Frag the Gemara. So we're on Daf Mem Tes at the top of the page. So the question is, we are continuing along. Ve'ema, maybe, let us say, Heicha de Hadra lebe Nasha, Hadra lemilsa kamaisa. So maybe we should say like this, and this is an interesting theory. Maybe what should happen is this, is that, look, she never even was with her husband. She was just passed over to the messengers of the husband. And um, maybe, and, and we said that she's already considered uh, married, consummated in that sense. But if she goes back to her father, maybe it goes back to the full status of, uh, of the father. Okay? Um, and now she's uh, now back to, her, back to her father's domain. That's the question. So, she goes back to her original status. Maybe that's what's happening. Don't worry about that. That was already addressed and paskined and ruled by the school of Rabbi Shmuel. The Tan of Rabbi Shmuel. Pasuk says like this. The vow of a widow or a divorcee Whatever she vows on herself, she must keep. Meaning nobody has the rights over the, her vows. She's bound you know, to un, undermine her vows. Her vows are bound to her, that she has to, she's bound to keep her vows. Now, what is the Pasuk actually saying here? What are you thinking? She's already not by the father anymore. And her, her husband passed away or divorced. So... Of course, she, her vows should be bound to herself. Who else? Okay, that's the kasha. So, Ella, Haresha, what we're talking about is our scenario. Haresha, Master Ablish Luchabal, the fathers gave it over to the messengers of the husband. Osha, Master Shulcha Ablish Luchabal, or the father's messengers gave it to the husband's messengers. Vinis Armela, Bederech, and she never even made it to the husband's home. And already he died. Osha, Nisgarsha, or the husband says, before he even was intimate with her, he already gave her a get, but she was already in the, in the, in the rishos of his messengers. What status is she? Is she by the father or is she by her husband? Okay. Once she is even a moment outside the domain of the father, the father lost permanently, permanently his rights of nullifying her vows. So that's the basic idea here is that we're saying is that it doesn't work that way. You don't reverse. Once you've gone out of the father's domain, that's the door is closed, but, but for the father, it doesn't have those rights anymore. So I'm a papa, in fact, we have a Misha says the same thing. Al Naira Marasa, somebody who has relations with a betrothed Naira. Actually, Naira Psula Marasa. She has to be a Naira, she has to be Psula and Marasa. That's where and she is by the father. Now, what is that extra line? I understand. She can't be past the age of 12 and a half for this of, of uh, the higher level of punishment, right? I understand. That's another one. She can't be, she has to be a virgin for this iser, for this, for this punishment. Right? It has to be betrothed and not nisuit. What's the base of Yid saying? That's not one of the things. What is that referring to? My That that's also the transfer over. Once she's been transferred to the Shluch Baal, 
then it's downgraded off of Skila to Chenek, as we said before. Now, another Mishnah supporting the same idea. Somebody who has relations with a married woman. She's been in the husband's domain for the sake of Nisuin. Even though he was not intimate. That juncture it's already Bechenek. You see, all it is is meaning she's already, she's not even necessarily in his house yet. She's transferred over from the messengers of the father to the messengers of the husband. That moment, the, state, the, the status changes already in the sense that she's now downgraded. The, the death penalty goes down to Chenek. And that's exactly Shmamina. That's all these point to the same Chidush that we started off with over here. That at that point it already the the, the death penalty downgrades the chenek from skila. Okay, brings us to the next mishnah. Ha'av Fathers do not have to feed their daughters. It's not a requirement that the father has to take care of the food needs of his daughter. You want food? Go work for it. You're capable. That's the tech. That's the Legal requirement, okay? Zembe just darish for blasben azariah. This is a drasha for blasben azariah. Lefnei chachamim bekerviyabna. He said so and proved it in you know in front of the rabbis in kerviyabna. As we know, that's where the school was. That's where the yeshiva was. Okay, habanim yirshu v'habanas yisono. Because it says in the interesting, it says in the ksuva that uh, that the sons inherit the ksuva of their mom very interesting scenario. It's called what we call in Hebrew, in Aramaic actually, what's called the Ksuvas Benin Dichrin. Okay, the way it works is like this. Um, you know, it's a lot of times the, 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 a, a woman, you know, women, you know, people died young. It was, you know, life was pretty tough in, in certain times. And therefore, what might have happened is that the, a, man, a man marries a woman, uh, she bore some children, and then she died young. Okay? So there was a Ksuva. Now, that ksuva, the, 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 the husband cut to keep. He only gives it if, if, if she outlives him. But if he's still alive and, and she dies, so there's money in the ksuva that the, that the father added in, you know, a, a nedunya, you know, a nadin, nice amount of money, whatever. The way it works is, is, that, is that he's going to, what, what the father's still a young man, he's going to remarry and have more children. Now, are those children from the second marriage Gonna inherit the ksuva of their of the first one of the first wife? No, ksuva's been in derechim provides that any male children that she bore her husband, they will have inherit outside of the rest of the inheritance. They get their mother's ksuva first. That's like not part of the arusha, so to speak. They get that. <coughs> then the arusha is split fifty fifty. You understand? Do you follow this idea? This is the it's to incentivize. That uh, uh, the father of the of, of of his daughter should be encouraged, saying, "Don't worry, it's still going to stay in your family line, because you know any money that you give to your daughter. Don't think that if Chas the daughter passes away, it's going to go to the husband, and then he's going to go marry who knows who, and that it's not going to stay in the family line. No, it's going to be indifferent to your to the male children. Now, when do they inherit? Only obviously after the father dies. They don't get anything while the father's alive." So too, the daughters, the the ksuva also provides that the daughters are fed from the estate. 
Meaning, if, she, if he had any daughters with this woman, the pride of the, his ksuba responsibility is to take care of and feed the daughters. Now, listen to the proof. So the not from the first wife will inherit, for, first of all, they inherit from they her. They inherit. They no, they are being fed. They are being fed from, from her. Uh, from not her, from the ksuba. Well, the ksuba requirement the was the... But, and they also are being fed by the husband, by the father too. The father, look, let's just listen to the sentence. Let me finish okay, it. But the father, Stavit said he's not really required to feed them. Yes, but listen to this, because look what the Ksuvah says. Habonus Yizornu. What does that prove? Ma'abonim einen yorshin elalachrim yizav. Just like when the sons inherit, that right only kicks in post the death of the father. So too, Avabonus einizonus, the requirement that they be fed is is The only requirement kicks in is after the father dies. That's when the chiyuv is. And so during, the so father which is proves alive, while he's so alive. The father is alive. There's no chiyuv. Exactly. Right. That's the proof. That's exactly. That's right for daughters after he's dead. That's right. After he's dead, the better off. The better off with the dead father. This state will worry. Don't, don't go that far. Yeah. Don't push oh, it. No, 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 no. It's very good. But anyway, in that that's... situation, the, women, the girls take priority over the boys. Yes, yeah, that's do. right. So exactly. Exactly. So it's both the ways. The state will provide while the father is alive? No. no. After he, he dies. He is the estate if he's alive. He, he provides. doesn't have to. Once he's dead. Because, no, because he's dead, the money passes to the, to the men. Wrong. Wrong. No, women first. They have to feed the first. Provide first. And then the boys get it. The daughters have to be fed before the boys get anything from Till they get married. Right. Till they're of age. Married, right. Till they're of age. Exactly. We'll get to it. Now, here's the question. What, why does it say that a father is not responsible to feed his daughters? Mm-hmm. Do you mean to say he's not responsible to feed his daughters? But he is responsible to feed his sons? Oh, so... Um, so, so the answer is no. What the point is, the answer is, nami Even the daughters, it's not an obligation, but it's a mitzvah. In other words, what happens over here is very interesting. We cannot force you, but we can encourage you and tell you that if you do it, it's a big mitzvah. So here's the idea. The idea is like this: uh, people are anyway taking care of the, their children. Well, we right. You know, most of the expenditures of parents are for the kids. That's how it works. But you might think of it as like, I'm just doing it because I, I have to. No, no. It's a mitzvah. You're doing something extra special. So you can feel good about it. It's a difference. So when you feed your sons, there's an obligation? No, no, it's not an obligation. It, it's even because your daughters. Is, is that what we say? It's a mitzvah. The Mishnah specifically says that you're not supposed, you don't no, have to. Obligated. You don't have to feed the daughters. Okay, so the conclusion from this one backwards, so the sons you have to feed. Otherwise, I would say kids. But well, didn't say no, kids. that's not right. But the answer is, that's what you might think. You might think. But the Chiddush is, is that, is that there is, is, is the inference. There's no have to by the daughters, but the mitzvah still exists by the daughters. And That's the obvious. The sons is surely a mitzvah, but it's also not that you don't have to. Yes. We'll there see is why. a mitzvah of wearing tzitziot. That's not If true. I don't wear tzitziot, then I'm No. That's correct. Thank you. Okay, now. Go ahead. 
Okay. Okay. Let's keep going. Um, uh, now, the problem is, is that we're not from, we can't figure out who is the author of our Mishnah. Doesn't fit with any of these Tanam that we that talk about this. The Tanya, the price says like this. Mitzvah. Listen. Mitzvah lazun is a bonus. It's a mitzvah. Not an obligation, but a mitzvah to feed your daughters. And it's all the more a mitzvah to feed your children, your sons. Why? To ask him the Torah, because they're learning Torah. Of course it's a mitzvah to feed your sons who have a, who are, you know, you're supporting Torah there. Okay? Divrei Rameir. So both your sons and daughters, there's a mitzvah to feed them. That's Rameir. Rabbi Yudomer, mitzvah lazan is It's a mitzvah to feed your sons. And it's even more, of course, a mitzvah to feed your daughters. Because it's more denigrating for daughters to have to beg for their food. Okay? There's an obligation to feed your daughters after the father dies. During the father's lifetime. There's no requirement during his lifetime to feed his daughters and sons. Okay, now my name is Lisa. Who is our Mishnah? I Rebbe Meir, Hamer Banim Mitzvah. He says for sons it's a mitzvah. I Rebbe Yehuda, Hamer Banim Nami Mitzvah. Okay, so what's our Mishnah? Our Mishnah seems to say, so what's going on over here? And I Rebbe Yechon Mebroka, I feel a mitzvah, Nami, like it's not even a mitzvah, no mitzvah for the sons. So when it says, Av Chayv, Eino Chayv, B'mzonus Bita, but a mitzvah there is, is it coming to counter by, by the sons not? Nobody says like that. So the answer is, you have to read it. Each one can be read into the Mishnah. Everyone can fit in. You just have to read it right. Here's how you read it. First, let's try Rameh. This is what the Mishnah is saying. He's not obligated in the, in the feeding of his daughters. And he's of course, and he's also not obligated in the feeding of his sons. But there is a mitzvah to the feed the daughters. And Kavachom Rabbi Lubanim, and there's surely a mitzvah to feed the sons because uh, they're is learning they Torah, as we know. That's we look, he looks at that factor. Okay, <laughs> and why does it say daughter and not son? Even by the daughter, it's only not an obligation, but of course there's still a mitzvah. That's how Rameyer would read the Mishnah, and it fits nicely. But the bottom line is that it's true that it's a mitzvah for both feeding the sons and daughters, just not an obligation for either sons and daughters. Now, that's reading it with Rameir's way to read it. But you might say, the other way, Rebuta, could be like Rebuta. He's not obligated in the feeding of his daughter because can live no, he's surely not obligated to feed his sons because there's less of an obligation to feed a son than there is to feed a daughter. The idea being, because a daughter, it's more embarrassing for her to beg than for the little kids. Boys, it's, they have less shame in that sense. Okay. Ha mitzvah bivno ika. There is a son, for the, uh, there is a mitzvah to, to feed the sons. Ve'kal v'chom and there's surely a mitzvah to feed the daughter. So that's how Rabbi Yudu would read. Fadikotani bito, why did it say bito? Ha'kamash v'landah, filo bito, chovaleka. Even though it's your daughter, you should know you're not obligated. It's only a mitzvah. That's I bring children and marry. I bring children to the world. It's not my obligation to feed them. We're not done yet. Let's finish it off. Oh, it's a mitzvah to feed them. It's a big difference. It's a mitzvah, yes. But 
you understand the difference between obligation and a mitzvah? I do. The difference is we, as a Bezdin, cannot force you. We'll see where we can force. We'll get to it. Okay? Vibayis Eima. Another third way. This is Rabbi Yochanan's way. Rabbi Yochanan ben Broca. How do you read it? Rabbi Yochanan ben Broca in Tar Mishnah. There's no mitzvah. There's no chiv and no mitzvah. And since the daughters, after the death of the father's obligation, so that's why since after the death there is an obligation, that's why we mention daughters. But really it's true for both sons and daughters. And not only is there not a chov, there's not even a mitzvah. That's Shittas Rabbi Yochum Broca, the most strict, okay, in terms of the kids, for the kids' perspective. Okay. Now, Amr, Rebbe Lah, Amr, Lakish. Mishom, Rebbe Yudab, So, this is the bottom line, actual halacha. Rebbe Lah says the name Rish Lakish, the name of Rebbe Yudab, Rebbe Chanina. As we know, the, best, the Sanhedrin, there are periods of time, Sanhedrin started out, of course, in the Lishkas Akazas, but, there, but they, they traveled out of there, they moved away to different places, and at one point, they were located in Usha. And they made a number of takanos in this town called Usha. But Usha she He must. They made a takana. So, in other words, it's a rabbinic requirement to feed your sons and daughters when they're minors. So, that's the question. Is that the law or is that not the law? So, Tashma Kavanah, proof? Is it truly a requirement or not? So, when came before Rabbi Yudah, you know, which means, you're, what are you, like a crocodile that gives birth and then the, the town's folks have to, you th- uh, you, you're throwing your kids on the town to feed them? It's like, what kind of business? Okay? Meaning, meaning, right, um, uh, um, uh, 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 um, uh, go. So here's amazing what you do. Okay, they they would embarrass the guy into feeding oh, his children. Mm-hmm. So here's what you do. This is what you tell him. Take like a big uh, a stand. You flip it over. It's like a like a big pot. Turn it over on its upside down. The mouth downward, and then he stands on top of it, bitzibura in public, velekum velema, and he should get up there and proclaim to everyone there, orva boy bene, the the raven takes care of his children, vahil gavra la boy bene, but me, I don't even, I I'm I'm not even having mercy on my kids, okay, that's what he should proclaim to all, okay. In other words, so what we're doing is we're embarrassing him into taking care of his kids' needs. So the Gemara says, wait a second. The raven is the one animal that doesn't take care of the kids. Okay? Every other animal takes care of its young. They, you know, the mother bird comes and brings worms, whatever, to their baby birds. Every animal. The one exception is the raven. So what are you talking about? So, the orva boy crow, they call the they're calling out for food, right? Why are they calling out for food? Hashem, it's an amazing miracle that uh, these little chicks, when they're first in the, you know, they can't do anything, and their mother will not bring food for the babies. What happens? They get sickly. They give over an odor that attracts the flies. 
and the flies fly around their mouth, and Hashem, and then they're able to, you know, snap on the flies, and that's what they're eating for food. It's an amazing miracle. But the parents are ignoring the baby, okay? That's by a raven. They're the example of the, of the parent that ignores the child. So the says, There's a difference between when they're white and when they're black. Okay, as we know, a raven's black. And when they're babies, their colors are different. They're white. So the pshat and the understanding is, is that the, when, the, when the raven sees their babies that are little babies, they don't recognize them as their, as their children. They're white kids. They're white. Oh, so must be somebody else. They're vacuum the birds. Uh, they're right. the white birds. <laughs> right. So they're, they're not interested. Well, we can take care of some some white kid. Yeah. Not my problem. <laughs> and they get out of there. Okay. They ignore them. When they turn black, it's like, oh, you are like us. Then they'll then they're gonna care for the kids. So they don't fully ignore the kids. Only temporarily. Anyway. But this guy, even though he recognizes his children as his own, he has to proclaim that he's worse than the raven. Amazing. Okay. Anyway, the point being is that it's, what you see is, is that it's not actually, um, um, it's almost like, it, 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 it's almost like we, we, um, we don't force him, but we, we're, we twist his arm. We, we we give him a very strong encouragement. Okay. You know, like you just approach him and say, would you like that your children should have to be fed from charity? You want your kids to be a charity case? You know what I'm saying? You Basically, you explain to him how, how inappropriate that is. Okay. This is only that we encourage we give strong encouragement. We guilt them into it. That's when he is really poor. But if he's rich, we don't even give him a choice. We force him against his will, and we make him pay for it. That's the, that's the way it works. Like Rava, Kafye, the Rabbi he forced Rabbi He had the money, and he wasn't giving any charity, and he forced out of him to give 400 Zuz to charity. He could afford it. So it's no different. The children are not worse than a charity case. You understand? And therefore, you could just like you could force anybody to give charity, the kids are need charity, so you so you, you force them to feed the kids. Now Interesting thing. Sometimes you have for tax purposes a person writes all of his assets to his kids. And then <laughs> the kids say, Okay. Goodbye, whatever, and that's it. And they're out, out on the street. So the rule is, those assets still feed them, you know, takes care of their needs. Okay? Even though it belongs to the kids, the kids can't say, well, you gave it all to us, now it's ours. Okay? That doesn't work. Now, it's even better than that. We said a man's widow is fed from his property. So him and his wife, you have to talk about? That's the question. The answer is, uh, Ravin sent him a letter. Somebody who dies and he has a widow. Obas and a, and a, 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 a daughter. Um, right? Uh, so, 
um, so the, the widow is fed from the estate, and this is a pass. Uh, so the same thing. The widow is still fed from his estate. If the daughter dies, some review the Actually, the story happened to me. Okay, so again, the case is where he had a widow with the daughter. The widow <coughs> and, and the widow is fed from the estate. The, the daughter inherited the estate. Once she gets married, so now all of her uh, the daughter's assets goes to the husband. Doesn't matter. The widow is still fed from the estate. What if the daughter dies? So review the Ben Achoso says like, what happened to me? This story, and he said, doesn't change. Even though the, the husband inherited a daughter, everything from the daughter, the widow still fed from the estate of her deceased husband. All right. Um, so if that's true, so who do we have to talk about him and his wife? So the answer is it's different. Who's going to look after the widow if we don't take care of her from the estate of the husband? Obviously, we have to do that. The husband's still alive. He gave all his estate, all his assets to his children. He doesn't have anything. So he'll go back to work. What do you mean? What do you, you know, what do you, he's incapable. He could do something. He'll go do something. So even though he may be an elderly man, he could, he could take care of him and his wife. And that's what you might think if he's there. Kamash Malan, that we don't say that. We don't assume that he's planning on going back to work. Um, we assume that he's, we, we, we expect that he should be taken care of. What's the bottom line? Is that the law or not? So Tashmad, Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Yonasan. Interesting. Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Yonasan, Abakaimi. They were there. And also, Gavra fellow came, Gachim ben Nashke Rabbi And he bowed down and kissed the hem of Rabbi Yonasan's akari, on the hem of Rabbi Yonasan's cloak. Why? Amr lei, Rabbi Hanina, my hai, what's he kissing your cloak for? What, what's his story? Amr lei, Kaisim Chazlavanafu. He wrote all his assets to his kids. And I forced them to take care of him. Now, what does that show you? If it's not a requirement, I had to force them. If it wasn't Allah, if it's the law, why would I need to force them? So obviously, it, 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 the answer is, is that it wasn't, it wasn't a, it, you can't really force it, but um, I would say, I know, like that's not the actual law. So the law isn't that it provides it, but the rabbi stepped in and made it happen. That's what happened. Okay. Anyway, we'll stop okay. over here. And everyone, have a beautiful day.